News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. A number of Fine Gael ministers are suggesting jail time and cuts to social welfare as punishment for the rioters from last week's chaotic scenes in the capital. And uh, Garthi are reported to be given access to private conversations on social media uh, to deal with uh, these two issues. I'm joined on the line by Hugh O'Connell, Deputy Editor of Independent.ie and in studio by Jess Kelly, News Talk's tech correspondent. Uh, good morning and welcome both. We'll go to you, Hugh, first of all. Um, all of this talk about docking dole... Uh, happened at a Fine Gael Parliamentary Party meeting. Yeah, Pat, that's right. Um, the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party met last night rather than tonight because uh, Tisha Leo Varadkar is attending the, the COP28 summit in, in Dubai. But um, there was the, the, the meeting was dominated by discussions around uh, last Thursday's riots and the fallout from it. Um, and there was a very clear uh, law and order approach taken by a number of contributors uh, keen to, I think, bolster the credentials of a party whose law and order reputation is is sort of in shreds, really, uh, off the back of them, um, not just last Thursday, but a general sense, particularly in Dublin, that um, that uh, the authorities are not on top of crime. There's not enough Gardaí, there's not enough visible uh, Garda presence on the streets, and that Dublin is not a safe city, uh, contrary to what Justice Minister Helen McEntee has been saying all along. So we had the Minister of State at the OPW, Patrick O'Donovan, saying that those involved in the riots should be punished financially, have their welfare stopped if they uh, are found to have taken part in the in the riots. Um, and then other ministers saying that um, there shouldn't be the imposition of any suspended sentences in respect of people who uh, may have taken part and, and were uh, arrested and charged uh, last week, uh, but that they should serve time in prison. Uh, so that's an interesting uh, intervention. And I think Neil Richmond and uh, the, the Fine Gael minister, also a Fine Gael minister of state, and Patrick O'Donovan spoke in, in favour of that. And I think that's something that will not go down well with everyone, given that's basically sort of imploring the judiciary, who are supposed to be independent from um, from the yeah. politicians. I, I mean, uh, this is all hot air. To take a certain line. Yeah, it's hot air because you go into uh, a courtroom and the judge uh, is the boss. Uh, the judge yes. decides what kind of sentence to hand down. There are guidelines, of course, that judges tend to observe. But whether they suspend, you know, half a sentence or all of the sentence, indeed, that is at their discretion. And I think no amount of um, speechifying at a Fine Gael Parliamentary Party meeting is going to change that. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that, Pat. Um, and I think most of your listeners would as well. Um the you know another contribution I think which was notable was Joe Riley the, the senator um, suggesting that the special criminal courts should be used to bring rioters to trial. I mean this is a outlandish suggestion. I mean the special criminal courts are are used for very specific reasons, yeah. um, and not certainly for people taking part in in petty thuggery. Albeit it was it was atrocious what we saw in the streets last Thursday. Mm. I think the idea of using invoking the special criminal courts to uh, to crack down on rioters yeah. is, is now uh, the, the is, idea is of uh, pausing people's dole or taking it from them. And, you know, the, the, the line is, why should we who get up early in the morning and pay a lot of tax, why should we be paying the dole for people who don't bother to get up in the morning and when they eventually get up, they destroy the city? That's the kind yeah. of the top line argument. But, uh, you know, depriving people of food on their table uh, or a roof over their head doesn't solve this particular problem. 
No, it doesn't. And, you know, I think it goes back to what you said a few minutes ago about, you know, when you go into a courtroom, the judge is the boss. And the judge, in in deciding a sentence for someone who's convicted of a crime, has to take into account all matter of mitigating factors, not least the, the personal circumstances of an individual. So they may, may well determine that this person should serve prison time, but equally they may well determine that that should not be the case. Uh, they'll take into account family circumstances, for example, whether this person is in work. I mean, you know, we don't know the employment circumstances of all of these individuals who took part last week and have been arrested mm. and, and subsequently charged by Gardaí. So I think it's an enormous, um, you know, uh, sort of uh, broad brushstroke statement to say that all of these people are on welfare, that they stay in bed all day and then they get out of bed and they go writing. I don't think we can say that about them, about all of the people who took part in what happened last week. Yes, what they engaged in was petty thuggery and it was appalling to see. But um, I, you know, I, I don't think we can make these sort of broad assertions about a certain cohort of people taking part of these riots. I mean, I've heard assertions, you know, about the, you know the location or the, the the where these people come from, and of course, it subsequently transpired that most of these people are not from the north inner city. Those arrested and charged last week, they're actually from other parts of Dublin or even other parts of the country. So, um, I think you know, you said it there is a lot of hot air coming out of the Finnegal Parliamentary Party room last night. I, I don't think I could disagree with that necessarily. Um, I, I think this is a party that's really scrambling to try and get on top of an issue that it's it's clearly damaged on politically. Um, you see that across the board, obviously, in the Dáil yesterday, the opposition parties rounding on Fine Gael, rounding on J- Justice Minister Helen McEntee. But even you see from within the coalition itself, you've got two Fianna Fáil senators suggesting that the Garda Commissioner um, should step down. Um, I don't think we're far off a, a Fianna Fáil politician potentially breaking ranks in respect of the Justice Minister saying that she should resign or that she should be removed from office. I certainly think that privately there's an awful lot of uh, Fianna Fáil uh, TDs and senators who are very unhappy with Helen McEntee's performance. Yeah. In the, in I, I think portfolio. it all goes and back. Been, and it's important to say this, Pat. Yeah. They've been unhappy for some time. There's a cohort of Dublin TDs and senators in Fianna Fáil who for 18 months have been saying to the transport to, to Helen McEntee that there needs to be a different approach in the capital at the imposition of a, of a transport police service, for example. And they basically feel that they've been fobbed off by the Justice Minister in, in respect of this, that they've been ignored every time they've tried to raise not only this issue, yeah. but other now, issues in, as well. In fairness, on that, that has to be, you know, on that that be, issue, uh, the Gardaí themselves push back against uh, a, a force dedicated to, to transport. And well, Garda management push back against that. I, and again, I think there's an important distinction to be had there, Pat, between Garda management and the view of Garda management, and particularly the Commissioner Drew Harris. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the views of rank and file Gardaí, which we've been hearing on your station and, and other stations and, and, and across the airwaves in recent days, the Garda representative bodies talking on behalf of their members feel that there's a whole co- host of problems uh, that you know were the cause of last, yeah. uh, not the cause rather, but rather were were responsible for the the response. Which I think you know most people looking at it objectively last week will will, will think that the policing response was uh, you know there were shortcomings in respect of the policing response. Yes, they got on top of it, but it was only after O'Connell Street became effectively a lawless zone for several hours. And we've heard all sorts of horror stories about Gardaí trained in uh, public order tactics who's, who didn't have their equipment because it was at home, because there's no places stored in Garda stations. And, um, you know, Gardaí reluctant to use force uh, because because they fear the consequences of doing that. And obviously, my you know, my colleague Maeve Sheen and the Sunday Independent reporting at the weekend in terms of the call for backup coming very late in the evening versus what really, you know, there should have been a response earlier in the day. I think most people would would, would now look at that. And I think that's something that's going to be explored in detail by the Oireachtas Justice Committee yeah. today when they hear from... I mean, a lot of the, the politics of this go back to two things. One was uh, Helen McEntee's uh, walk through Dublin declaring it safe 
uh, surrounded yeah. by a phalanx of police when ordinary Dubliners, including myself, would know that there are times when you feel distinctly uneasy in parts of uh, of Dublin city centre. Distinctly uneasy, I would say no more than that. Um, I mean, last night I was in the Grafton Street area around six thirty, seven o'clock. I saw the public order unit uh, standing by. They weren't doing anything, but the, the van was there and they were within the van. They weren't making uh, themselves very obvious, but they were on standby. That was reassuring. Um, I don't know what it was like on the other side of the Liffey because I hadn't crossed. Uh, but the second thing is that was the government listening at all to people's genuine concerns about the influx of immigrant populations uh, to their communities, be it in the city where you have maybe an influx of predominantly young men and they worry about that, rightly or wrongly, and in the countryside where a small town can literally be transformed uh, in the nature of its uh, demography by the arrival of a huge number of asylum seekers and refugees that the government did not appear to be listening to those concerns. However, it might have reacted to them. It didn't appear to be listening. Yeah, I I think there's two issues here, Pat, in terms of the political response to um, the, uh, obviously, the the, uh, large numbers of people who've come into the country over the last year and a half to two years uh, off the back of uh, not only an increase in in people um, seeking asylum, but also obviously the, the war in Ukraine, um, and the the influx of of, um, of of refugees fleeing fleeing the war in Ukraine, large numbers of which we've we've taken into this country. I think on a per capita basis, we've taken the most of of, of um, nearly you know, nearly all of the European countries. Were, were, we've taken taken the most on a on a per capita basis. And there are, I think, there are politicians who are trying to make political capital out of this, who are trying to stoke fear, who are trying to draw a link between immigration and crime which I think is a very dangerous thing to do because there's no research which uh, which shows that there's a link between high numbers of uh, migrants coming into the country and an increase in crime. But there's a second issue, which I think is the genuine fears of people across the country, not so much fears, but genuine anxiety about local communities, uh, an influx of people coming into those communities at short notice, into locations that they're not told about, and the strain that puts on services, because these people need the same services that we need in terms of access to GP care, um, access to other services within a community. And there's a feeling that there's been a lack of consultation um, about this uh, in various parts of the country. And I'm speaking to government politicians in particular who talk to me uh, on a kind of, you know, on an off the record basis, who, who kind of say, well, look, I'm hearing a lot of this from my constituents, constituents who would never raise issues like this with me before and don't want to seem racist, don't, are, are fearful of coming across as racist or xenophobic, but just are concerned about the pressure it's putting on the local community and on local services, local accommodation, okay. for example. And I, I think that's something that really politically hasn't been grappled with. And I think a part of it hasn't been grappled with because we've been in a very responsive, reactive uh process for the last year All and a right. half. We've been scrambling to find the comments. Scrambling to find it and we'll be talking about that later on in the programme. Uh, Hugh, thank you very much for joining us. Hugh O'Connell, Deputy Editor with the Independent.ie. Jess uh, Kelly, our tech correspondent, listening to that. Uh, Jess, we want to talk about uh, powers that the, the Gardaí might be given to mm. uh, get into social media platforms and basically look at what you're texting or tweeting. Yeah, this is something that has been in the works for a little while. And obviously there is, uh, I suppose, a desire, want and indeed need to try and speed that process up a little bit. This is the Incitement to Violence and Hate Offences Act. Uh, it's been bubbling away for a while and it's also been a key topic of debate, not only here in Ireland, but with the likes of Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson in the States weighing in. 
because their slant on this is that it's, you know, a piece of legislation that acts as the thought police. Because there's one part of this legislation that I want to draw your attention to. It's section 10 and it says that it uh, you can commit a crime by having material that's likely to incite violence of or hatred. And that information on your device doesn't have to be shared on a social media platform. Yeah. The intent or the, I, I suppose, yeah, the intent of the user to have the device, uh, the information so on their device So if you text something like that to me and it's on my device, in theory, they can bust me. They can bust, yeah, if it is something that is particularly hateful. Now, the, the key point here when it comes to WhatsApp, because I've been reading some reports in different newspapers today, and they say that, you know, the Guardi would be able to get into your social media platforms and your messaging platforms. And some papers have mentioned WhatsApp. Now, things like WhatsApp and Telegram are end-to-end encrypted. So they can't get in? They can't get in. I was out with Angarda Shikana two or three weeks ago at the National Cybercrime Bureau. And we were talking about, you know, ransomware attacks and, you know, big digital crimes. And they were saying that they battle against end-to-end encryption the entire time because it's not as easy as you go with a begging bowl to Meta going, please let us in. They can't do that. And if they were to start doing that, that would be hugely damaging to the to the Meta brand as a whole. It's also worth noting as well that before this legislation gets to the next stage, the Minister or the Department of Justice would have to engage with the Data Protection Commission as well. Because if you have something that is wide-ranging... And although the riots are in our mind today, if this gets written in stone, uh, that could be massively concerning for the average citizen who, you know yourself, you get sent stuff on different platforms. You don't request this information. It can come to you onto your device. And so there's going to be a lot of questions and a lot of debate to be had around this. But as I said, Elon Musk, you know, in the last few hours has tweeted he retweeted an Irish account uh, of a meme of Gardaí or police officers bursting into a door and Elon Musk tweeted, language being proposed as law in Ireland means this could literally happen to you uh, for having a meme on your phone. So he yeah. is stirring this up. Also, Tucker Carlson, who is a very controversial figure in the US, his entire programme is now streamed on X. And a lot of the content that I watched this morning on his programme yesterday would be an incitement to hatred. Absolutely. And this is what I struggle with, is that these platforms at the moment are still playing by their own rules. Now, the good news is is that there are two different, um, I suppose, uh, progressions happening. So Commission Naman, which uh, formerly known as the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland, they are now uh, working with the Gardaí on addressing this particular issue, but they're also going to publish the first draft of the online safety codes. Now, this is going to put a huge amount, uh, amount of pressure on the what's called very large online platforms. So that's any social media platform or any website that has over a certain uh, threshold of users and they will be responsible for the content. So if Jess Kelly posts something online and it's, you know, inciting to hatred or whatever it is, while the platform may penalise me and that my account might be blocked, the platform itself could face up to 20 million or 10% of their turnover. Now, the the problem is to react quickly because their defence will be, as soon as we were alerted, we took it down. But in a situation like the riot last uh, Thursday, how quickly would they need to take it down before the crowds uh, gathered on foot of this kind of thing? But WhatsApp did their best. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I was getting uh, a lot of information, as you might imagine, on Thursday evening from different platforms. But there is a group uh, that just had three of the tricolour flags and it was called the Sharing Group. 
Uh, it had hundreds of members. Uh, a lot of information was going through this group, not necessarily or, uh, organization, but just sharing of images and so on. And that group was uh, completely deactivated. Those who were in that group received a notification saying this group is no longer available. No messaging, adding members, downloading or forwarding media. Uh, so you can then delete the group. Uh, the, the way this works, and for those wondering, uh, because WhatsApp again is end-to-end encrypted, but as I understand it, Meta uses uh, machine learning to scan for, say, user groups or large traffic groups, and an assessment can be made without human intervention. Okay, so the, this AI sees a wildfire and exactly. shuts it down. Now, and there's also, I was out with the uh, mobile network yesterday, and they were telling me that as part of smart city uh, initiatives and, you know, the Internet of Things, they can identify when there's mass movement of groups of people from one area to another area using the cell site analysis. So you'd expect that, say, on All Ireland Final Day, you'd see a huge yeah. congregation of people in Croke Park, obviously enough. There's a whole host of ways technology can help not only in terms of the reaction, but the preventative measures on this as well. So it's being aware of this. I also feel obliged to say that although the content that we've seen on social media since last Thursday has been bananas, there has been a lot of this bubbling away for a significant period of time here in Ireland. And I think one of the biggest issues is, and I'm not putting the blame on his door, but Elon Musk is the owner of this platform. He is the one who is actively stirring the pot. He is the one facilitating people like Tucker Carlson Carlson having free reign to say whatever he wants. And then you wonder how and why this is happening. And these are the platforms that we can see. Never mind what's going on on services like Telegram or any of those more private, smaller niche groups. So there is a big issue to, to address here. But as much as technology is part of the problem, it can definitely be part of the solution as well. Jess Kelly, our tech correspondent, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Your chance to win The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.